Hey folks, Sam Whitfield here. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for downloading the audio podcast and listening to the show wherever you may be. I really appreciate it. And I would like to let you know that you can also now support the show directly via Anchor. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash Whitfield Report, you can now support the show using Apple Pay or Android Pay on your mobile device, depending on which type of phone you have. And you can contribute $1, $5, or $10 as the three levels of contribution. I would really appreciate anything that you can give. Every little bit helps the show. And you can find the link to support the show directly in your show notes, depending on which app you're using. I would really appreciate the support if you can. If not, please uh, continue to support the show by giving us a rating on iTunes and sharing with your friends. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Hey there folks, welcome to this week's episode of the audio podcast. And uh to be honest folks, it's been a uh it's been one hell of a week for me. Uh personally. I received some unfortunate news that a dear family friend of mine uh passed away last week. I won't go into the uh exact details of what happened because I want to keep uh, I want to keep uh, close friends and family I want to keep this private but uh, you know I've been going through that this week and so for those of you who uh, may have watched the audio who may have watched the uh, video podcast and saw that I was maybe a little distracted on this week's episode. Uh, That's probably why I've just been processing that. But uh, nevertheless, I still wanted to go ahead and do a show. So I covered uh, the mail bombings this week. Obviously, there was uh, also that shooting that happened uh, this morning, or I guess now, if you if you if you're watching this, uh, if you're listening to this on Sunday, this happened yesterday. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday, I guess there was that shooting in uh, Pennsylvania in the synagogue. Obviously, I'm very sorry to hear about that, and I'll probably be doing a follow-up episode on that. But for uh, this week's episode of the main podcast, I just decided to focus on the the mail bombing attempt and uh, what this means for the election coming up. Uh, This may be a controversial episode. I've been known to do a few of those. But nevertheless, I hope you uh, listen anyway, and I hope you... Uh, enjoy this podcast. 
uh, this week. I think uh, it was still a pretty good one, despite the fact that I may have been a little preoccupied with other things on my mind this week. Alright folks, hope you enjoyed the show, and uh, thanks for listening. there folks uh welcome to the uh whitfield report uh thank you for tuning in very much and sorry we're late for tonight's uh show um anyway we had some technical difficulties but we're here now uh contact info as always uh you can follow me on twitter and instagram at SMD underscore NDC, hashtag uh, Whitfield Report. Uh, you can follow me on Gab at SMD underscore NDC, hashtag uh, Whitfield Report as well. Facebook.com forward slash Whitfield Report. And uh, the SamWhitfield.com. And as always, subscribe to the audio podcast. For all your needs. Folks, I have to be honest and uh, pretty upfront with you. I have not really paid attention to uh, the news or any current events this week. Uh, There was... uh, Well, something happened uh, late last week. uh, On Sunday, or rather Saturday after last week's show. I found out that a close... uh, family friend of uh, mine passed last week, or rather the father of a close family friend so of mine. So, uh, you know, because of that, um, you know, I, I haven't really paid much attention to current events or the news, so really... This evening has been the first time I've uh, really looked at what's going on in the headlines. Uh, I do want to cover this uh, incident of the uh, bombs showing up at uh, left-wing figures' homes like George Soros and uh, Hillary Clinton and a couple others. Uh, lots in the news about, about that, and, uh, you know, in, in, in all honesty, folks, I'd like to call this a, a false flag operation, um, I don't know that it is, it could legitimately be some crazy guy. That did this. But no matter what happens. The left is going to use this. Uh, to, hi- to highlight and make it seem like. All Trump supporters are now. You know. Trying to become. Terrorists. And uh, you know. As the title of the show suggests, this is how desperate the left is now, right? Think about it this way, folks. They've 
completely uh they've completely shot their credibility between the Kavanaugh the Kavanaugh hearing was really what did them in. Right? That that whole witch hunt of uh you know, bringing Kavanaugh up on you know what let's call it what what it was. It wasn't a hearing, it was a it was a witch trial. It was a media circuits they were trying to prosecute um you know an innocent man for you know for basically misogyny that's what they were trying to do at the very least but Kavanaugh survived that and was confirmed and so that narrative blew up in their face for the last year or so they've propped up Stormy Daniels an adult film star um and made her a figurehead simply because simply because she slept with uh Trump and there was a whole lawsuit you know, claiming that Trump, like, abused her or something like that. Her lawsuit got thrown out, and she actually had to pay for Trump's Trump's attorney fees, which I guarantee you, uh, Trump's I would hate to be her and have to, you know, pay Trump's legal fees and whatnot. Um... So that blew up in their face, and then Elizabeth Warren still won't give up on, still won't give up on the uh, claim that she, you know, is a Native American minority, and uh, she did take a DNA test finally, and it turns out that she's like one one hundred hundred twenty seventh Native like, Hispanic, uh, Indian, but it was so ridiculous and, uh, you know, just a waste of time that even the Democrats, like Nancy Pelosi, said that it was completely ridiculous. So, the Democrats have basically shot themselves in the foot here, ladies and gentlemen. The quote-unquote blue wave is now hardly a blue trickle. It's more like a blue drip now from an old water faucet. But the but the uh the the red the uh The red tide, you know, it's it's interesting. Usually, the party that has the White House that has the executive branch doesn't really show up for primaries. But because of all the left's cockamamie bullcrap, I know more Republicans and more conservatives and more. Liberty-oriented people, like myself, 
who are now energized for the midterms. And so, not only is the blue wave not happening, but the red tide, if we want to call it that, the red tide is coming just as hard and just as fast as Trump's campaign. That's my prediction. So, whether or not this was a sti- this was a uh, false flag attack. Okay, I'm not I'm not I'm not confirming and I'm not denying I'm not saying that this was a false flag attack. It might have been, but these uh sent bombs could have been a um I I think I think these bombs could have been, uh, you know, a, fa- a false flag attempt, but I also think they could have just been a, been, you know, a legitimately crazy guy. Either way, the left is going to use this to pin it on uh, conservatives and uh, make it seem like. This guy was a right winger. In fact, uh, you know, the New York Times has already done so. Now, I hate, I hate to go to the New York, uh, Times because they're an absolute rag, but, um, what's, well, let me just read a little bit of this to you. From uh, the New York Times Online, Caesar Sayok, mail bombing sauce suspect, found an identity in political rage and resentment. Uh, Caesar Sayok Jr. was a volatile nobody, desperate to become a some a somebody. He styled himself as a bodybuilder, entrepreneur member of the Seminole tribe, an exotic dance promoter in the status-hungry beachfront world of South Florida. In reality, Mr. Sayok, a fervent supporter of President Trump who has been charged with mailing pipe bombs to prominent Democrats, was a bankrupt loner who spewed anger and spent years living in and out of the van, according to court documents and interviews with people who knew him. He went on racist, anti-gay tirades at the Fort Lauderdale pizza shop where worked night shift delivery man. Where worked as a night shift delivery man in 2017, telling his manager, a lesbian, that she and other gay people, along with Democrats, should all be put put onto an island and then nuked. At a reunion event in twenty fifteen with his college soccer team, he browbeat f- former team members with with racist, sexist conspiracy theories. And when Mr. Sayok's mother and sisters urged him to seek uh, mental health treatment, he he fiercely repelled their efforts and told his mother. He hated her, said Ronald Lowry, a a lawyer for the family who also represented Mr. Sayok 
in a 2002 case when he threatened to bomb an electric company during a dispute over a bill. Uh, let's see. He ref he refused to even listen to his mother when his Tolson when his mother reminded Mr. Sack that he was Filipino and Italian, not Seminole. Uh, he had tremendous anger, slowly boiling up and resentment, and felt less than. Mr. Waller said, "He lacked an identity. He created a persona." Yeah, uh, I, yeah, what is absolutely right? Man <laughs> lived in a down by the river. You mean like Matt Boy? Ah, uh, that, that's it never gets old. Uh, point being here, folks, I, I don't need to go on, but, um, you know, the article goes on to basically, to basically characterize him as a radical right-wing nut job. So, yeah, the, the, uh, what is absolutely right? I'm, the, the, the timing of these are a little too convenient. It's also a little too convenient in my book that This, uh, that they've, that the one guy who is the perfect stereotype of what every conservative is, according to left, I mean, this guy is the perfect stereotype. He is a racist, he is a homophobe, and he, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's been in trouble before and even down here in the article, you can see, uh, I think he was a director to Trump as a father figure. So, you know, and that's another stereotype that we all worship Trump. I don't worship Trump at all. I, the only one I worship is Jesus uh, Christ. But that is the, uh, you know, that's, that's the stereotype that the right deifies Donald Trump. We only call him we only call him God Emperor Trump because it, it annoys you people on the left. That's that's literally the only reason why Trump has God Emperor status. It's 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 a parody. We don't we don't take Trump that seriously. Um So regardless of whether this was a fa a false flag or whether this was just some crazy guy, it doesn't matter because the left, as seen from this New York Times article, and I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, as always, for those of you that want to uh, read it. As always, it doesn't matter because they're going to use this to make um, the right seem toxic and crazy. Now, the left loves to use uh, crisis. They love to use crises like these uh, to make stuff up. In fact, uh, 
I I didn't download it, but let me search for this on YouTube real, real quick. Remember, there was that famous uh, quote from Rahm Emanuel a few years ago about never let a serious crisis go to waste. All uh, let me let me pull that up real quick. Uh, so I mean, it it, it is pretty uh, obvious that that uh, whether or not this was manufactured or organic, they are using this as a way to deify uh, or rather to demonize their enemies and make them so themselves seem like nothing was their fault. Why? Because they have nothing. They can't do anything else. There's there's not there's nothing that they can do to make themselves look clean in this. So uh Ram Emmanuel Yeah, I I love how uh Oh, okay. Never. Well. Well, this was actually still in the uh, search predictions. Alright, so here's... Here's the clip from the uh, Wall Street Journal. Oh. Hopefully this, uh, hopefully this still works. So let me pull up the screen here. So here's Rahm Emanuel's, uh, famous quote on the opportunity of crisis. This is exactly what the left is, uh, doing here, ladies and gentlemen. So, clip number one. Roll it. You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. I think America as a whole in 1973 and 1974, not just my view, but obviously the administration, missed the opportunity to deal with the energy crisis that was before us. For a long time, our entire energy policy came down to cheap oil. This is an opportunity, what used to be long-term problems, be they in the healthcare area, energy area, education area, fiscal area, tax area, regulatory, reform area, things that we had postponed for too long that were long-term are now immediate and must be dealt with. And this crisis provides the opportunity for us, as I would say, the opportunity to do things that you could not do before. The good news, I suppose, if you want to see a silver lining, is the problems are big enough that they lend themselves to ideas from both parties for the solution. That is also, I mean, there's not a, we didn't just do the meeting with Senator McCain and Senator Lindsay, the president did not elect to not have that meeting just for optics. We covered very serious issues as it relates to spending reforms on government approach. He brought the idea of uh, defense, uh, defense procurement. We brought the idea of his corporate welfare commission. But how to spend money different, because it's not an argument about big government versus small government, but more effective government. So you actually are getting your bang for the buck that the taxpayers and all those who put money into it 
expect, whether that be in the area of education or healthcare. The five reforms that we see, uh, one in healthcare would be in the area that deals with cost control as a principle and expansion of coverage. Energy with both independence and alternatives. In the area of taxes, fairness, as well as simplicity. In the area of education, there's got to be fundamental reforms there as it relates to uh, making sure that we are effectively training the workforce. And I'm glad to see that the, one of the number, I think your second principle, is an educated, tra trained workforce. You cannot be in an era of where you earn what you learn and have both our education system from K to 12, as well as our access to higher education. And I'm not just talking about four-year, but also community colleges. That needs a fundamental overhaul that is the bridge fundamentally to the future. And lastly, financial regulatory overhaul with the principles of both, uh, I would say, uh, transparency and accountability. All right, so, Rahm Emanuel, now keep in mind, this is back in, uh, this is back on, this clip is from uh, November 19th, 2008, so almost uh, 10 years ago now. Hard to imagine, but I remember when this uh, clip came out. You know, this clip is 10 years old. Now, Rahm Emanuel is talking about the opportunities of crisis as it relates to uh, as it relates to renewable energy, quote unquote, and uh, basically admitting to well, we can use the energy crisis to basically force, uh, you know, new energy regulations in and, uh, you know, make the climate deniers look bad and also create to create new uh, jobs in this renewable energy sector. Now, that's all fine, well, and dandy, what, what uh, Ronnie Randall is talking about there. But... There's no doubt that the left has also now applied this theory without a doubt to destroying their political opportunity, destroying their political opponents. Whether or not they manufactured the crisis, i.e. Uh, these mail bombings, or let's just say that the official story for all intents and purposes is true, and that this really was a crazy one-off uh, loner guy. Let's say that let's say that the official story is true. It doesn't really matter what that it's a fault whether this is a false flag or whether it's or whether this guy was legitimately crazy and legitimately acting on his own because the left is going to use this as an opportune crisis. To demonize the Republicans and make them look bad. We've all we've already seen on Twitter. Uh, Jim Carrey did this repeat repeatedly uh, towards the end of the week. So did so did Alyssa Milano. I'm I'm and by the way, I, to my fellow to my fellow conservatives out there on Twitter. I know that she's uh, an entertaining example of 
left-wing lunacy to cite, but honestly, at this point, I think if we stopped uh, retweeting her, you know, giving her tweets any views, uh, I think she would just go away. This is, you know, we always like to say to the left, don't feed the trolls. Well, we're feeding a troll. That's what she is. So uh, let's cut it out in terms of that. But uh, let's... But then I was also thinking of another incident where uh, this, where literally the fraying of your enemy could be used uh, to create a suit, to change the narrative. Now this is uh, completely fictional, but a few years ago, um, during the last season of the Netflix show House of Cards, Obviously, for those of you, most of you, and most of you who uh, listen to this podcast and who are politically astute probably have either seen House of Cards at least once before, or or at least uh, familiar with the premise. Frank Underwood, the uh, the corrupt Democrat president, played by Kevin Spacey, in during last uh, season of House of Cards, he and uh, Claire Underwood, the first lady, who is essentially, they're essentially um, Bill and Hillary. Right? That's, that's what House of, that's what uh, House of Cards basically is. It's Bill and Hillary except for fictionalized. Um, they essentially create a crisis, a terror attack, to basically get themselves re-elected. They create a crisis and say that they're the ones who can protect people from this in order to stay in power. Now, I have a clip of, uh, of a scene, an excerpt where they're planning this. And uh, it's Robin Wright's character, Claire Underwood, discussing this. And it's really eerie. I, I rewatched this scene, and it's really weird, eerie how it can be uh, almost applied to what the Democrats are doing uh, today. Hopefully this doesn't get uh, the video flagged, although if it does, eh, I've got backup room. I've got a backup recording of this, which is why it took me so long to uh, set up the show. I wanted to get my backup recordings uh, set up for this exact thing. So anyway, uh, here is uh, here is an excerpt from season four of House of Cards. The scene in which uh, Claire Underwood, played by uh, Robin Wright, is talking about uh, fear tactics to throw off their political opponents. Clip number two, roll it. We make time. 
We can't fight everything off one by one, Francis. But if we make this, we make it work for us. Create chaos. More than chaos. There's Bill. Trying to win over people's hearts. Hillary. We can work with fear. Yes, we can. You should put on a fresh suit. So they're basically in that scene talking basically manufacturing a, uh, a war and a false terror attack so that people will be afraid and reelect them out of fear. And that's what the Dems are doing with this whole bomb thing, whether or not they manufactured it or, um, Whichever end, they're, they're, they're going to try and make this uh, crisis work for them. Oh my god, we were right. Trump is inciting violence. This uh, Rayout guy is a radical Trump supporter. He's crazy. They can't be trusted. We must, uh, we need the blue wave. We need it to get it in Congress so we can impeach Trump and restore peace and sanity. That, that's the narrative. Despite the fact that uh, Antifa has repeatedly been the ones stirring up violence, despite the fact that uh, Rand Paul and Steve Scalise and prominent conservative and libertarian politicians have been uh, victims of assassination attempts by Antifa. None of that matters to the left. Because they're on the wrong side of politics. Now all of a sudden, all of these pipe bombs uh, go to all of these Democrat leaders just mere days before the election all at once and they don't go off? Hmm, yes, I do believe that the, that the timing is a little suspicious of that. Sorry, I'm not really into conspiracy theories, most people know, but this is one where you have to look at the, you have to look at this and say, hmm, this happened mere days before the, uh, the primaries. 
after the Dems have exhausted everything else. Rush Limbaugh, I'm, I want to play a clip for you of this. Rush Limbaugh was uh, on Fox News on Hannity two weeks ago now, celebrating his 30th year in talk radio. By the way, people who uh, hate me, obviously a long time listeners know this about me, but Rush is the reason why I started this whole entire journey into podcasting and, and talk radio. He's the reason for the existence of this program and its many iterations. So I forgot to say it two weeks ago, but congratulations to Rush on 30 years leading the conservative movement in media. Now, Rush has said that the left is increasingly desperate and that, you know, any crisis they can use, they're going to. So here is uh, Rush talking about that with Sean Hannity uh, on Hannity's show. Clip number two... uh, no, clip number three, actually. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So this isn't the this, this isn't the whole interview. Uh, but yeah. Oh, who the hell hates me, Sam? We're we're gonna need names. Oh well, you know George Soros hates me. Um, the, I mean, Antifa trolls definitely hate me. Um, the, the alt-right also hate, also hates me, uh, as well, that, that's, that's the funny thing. Uh, Richard Spencer's fanboys hate me because I, uh, I, I still like the Jews, but, uh, yeah. Most people, most people once they get to know me, though, love me. So that's, that's the cool thing, at least. Alright, here is Rush with Hannity talking about the, uh, about 30 years on radio and just how desperate the left is, uh, becoming. Clip three. Further ado, we are in the studios of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, first, I want to congratulate you. 30 years talk radio, the king of talk radio, and going stronger than ever. It's amazing, it really is. You know, I'm enjoying it as much as I ever have, if not more so. I get more thrills from it, I get more satisfaction from it than I've ever had. If you would have told me 30 years ago, or even 40, when I was dreaming of all this, that by the time I reached 65, that it would be more competitive than ever, that I would be more involved than ever. I thought 65, well, you got left to prove. You phone it in, you take it easy, you go to the beach, do a couple hours a week, and that's it, like Johnny Carson did. I, I can't imagine not doing this. And I think largely because of you, as you just laid out, we are seriously at a tipping point. I don't know, I worry, I don't know how many people actually are aware of how close we are to losing our country as founded. There's always going to be an America, but what is it going to be? And it really is at stake. And I've been trying in I don't know how many ways to explain to my audience why it's different now than it was 15 years ago or 20. And I do it by trying to analyze who the left is, what they have become. 
uh, I'm naive in many ways. Uh, and I, 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 I might take a little objection to Rush being well, naive. You, you tell me if this is naive. Yeah. I, I look at what happened during the Kavanaugh hearings. You yeah. just described Ryson and the stuff to Susan Collins. We looked at the literal mob behavior that was inspired, bought and paid for by the Democrat Party. The media encourages it. In my naive world, that behavior would secure the biggest landslide defeat a political party has ever had in a sane world where decent people are the majority. That would be rejected out of hand. It wouldn't even be considered relevant. And the people of this country would want to get rid of that as quickly as they could. But yet, it may be close to 50% of the country. I don't think it is, and I hope not. But the fact that it continues to survive, I've, I've evolved a bunch of theories to explain it. And I really think, uh, by the way, interrupt any time with a question. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you're doing great, Rush. I really think that all of this, or the vast majority of it, still, Sean, revolves around one of the age-old arguments that left versus right has had, and that is role of government in our lives. Now, the people on the left, I read something with Jim Garrity at National Review about a month ago now, and it just struck me because I think it's dead on. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase what he said. He said what has happened in his view, and I, and I endorse this, I think, even more than he did. I think it's a bigger point than he made it. These people on the left that you've described, the mob behavior, is really a series of psychological disorders that have taken over politics. We have politicized psychological disorders to the point now that they have become the objective of the Democrat Party, solving all of these disparate, separate psychological disorders, having the government do it. Basically, well, I also have to interrupt there and say that the left has not only, I mean, they've essentially created a lot of these psychological disorders here too. I mean, They've encouraged gender dysphoria like like nobody's business. What what are we up to now, according to, to these people? 57 genders? Is, is that... I, I th it's either 48 or 57, and it's growing every day. It, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Brian, Brian, what what are we up to in the uh, in the gender? Well, you might not be you might not be the one to ask since you're not on Facebook or Twitter very much. But can can someone tell me how uh, how many genders the left claims there are now? Um. Because I know it's a whole hell of a lot, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing a bit here, folks. I, I, I really, the, the left now legitimately thinks that there are a whole bunch of genders. It's, it's more than twenty now. So, yeah, um, the left are puppets. The SJW and BLM and all of our millennials who feel entitled are just pawns. Their lives are nothing to the political that run them. Exactly, Island. I I couldn't agree with you more. And yet, because of that, um, and yet, 
basically, basically, the elites are using all these people to get back into power and to drum up fear in as an army. Uh, I think, Alan, you may have missed this, but a few minutes ago I, I played a clip from uh, House of Cards, which again is fictional, but it, it, uh, it basically uh, illustrates artistically how the uh, how the left uses uh, how the left can pretty much manufacture crisis opportunities in order to stay in political power. Okay, Jeff searched it. There are 58 possibilities on Facebook for gender. 58 fucking uh, gender possibilities. And Facebook Facebook takes it all seriously. Two. That's the... I mean, uh, uh, you would think that at some point they would laugh at how ridiculous, but no. The fact that they have 58 genders, it's nonsense. And yet, the people who the radical left are targeting, they, they've they've bought a hook, line, and sinker. They're... They're buying the fact, they're buying the myth that podcasts like uh, Alex Jones, even though I even though I disagree with a lot about what Alex says, they're agreeing with the fact that they're now buying this myth that Alex Jones is somehow a terrorist. Uh, they're trying to after Rush now, and we'll I'll get back to Rush in a sec. Uh, they're trying to go after one by saying that he's inciting violence. I've been accused of inciting violence on this podcast. And whenever people tweet that at me or whatnot, I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask them to cite specific examples. And they, they, they can't do it. They'll make, they'll make stuff up that I didn't say. And then when I ask them for the, spe for the uh, specific day or for the specific episode when I said that, they, they, they can't cite me for saying any of this. So, uh, you know, yeah, fractional identity sorting organized by moon phases in one of the patterns. Stay tuned for the latest. Uh, I'll agree. Yeah, well, see, Gabe, if they if they were doing it by moon patterns, though, or weather patterns, or even if they were doing it by something even like mythological, like you know Greek myths or something, like that would make a whole lot more sense. But they're literally just pulling this all this identity politics out of their ass. There's no basis for any of what they're what they're doing right now. It, it would it would be laughable if it weren't if it weren't getting so dangerous now. But uh well I don't I don't advocate I don't advocate violence ever. But I will say this. It's getting to to the point where if if they try and if they try and do if they try and do something to me, I'm 
I'm not going to I'm not going to take it uh, sitting down literally if, if they if they try attacking me they're gonna get their feet run over <laughs> or worse uh, if, if you ever if you've ever been hit by a by a power wheelchair well let's just say you, you don't you don't want to do it. It's not, it's not going to hurt as bad as getting hit by a full-blown car. But it still hurts a whole hell of a ton. Um. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, Gabe, the, the, oh yeah, I, I like that, the far... The, the the park spares hey just you know we we could also we could also get like skunk juice or actual like live skunks weren't they weren't they trying weren't they trying to to do well they well they tried throwing piss at Lauren Southern a few years ago I remember that but yeah anyway the the violent the violent uh, BS never ends with these people and. Yet now, the the violent BS never stops with these people. They they continue attacking Trump supporters, or not even people who are Trump supporters. Remember, uh, remember back in twenty seventeen, immediately after the election, they beat up that black guy who who was retarded, uh, and medically retarded. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love that you know that. Iowan says you can buy that skunk scent at Bass Pro. Yeah, well, I would stop, I would, I would, uh, I, I would, I, I would, I would, I would stock up on. I would stock up on that shit and, and just launch it from like a water cannon or something against Antifa because uh, yeah um, yeah that that's that's what we really, that's what we really need to do we just we 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 need to we might not need to react violent but I I am starting to like this idea of getting like really powerful uh, deterrence against them. So, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there, there's a, there's always the chance that, well, never mind, I, I was going to say that there's always the chance that they could use it against us, but never mind, they already have, so, uh, you know, there's, uh, that. Anyway, folks, I guess the uh, the bottom line and the moral of tonight's show is the left is never the left is so desperate now that they're that they're literally using the bomb crisis, whether it was manufactured or not. Either way, they've used it to uh, to try and change the narrative. But I don't I don't think it'll work. Um. I, I I don't think it'll work. I, I think that this uh 
you know, quote-unquote bomb scare will blow up in their faces uh, eventually. Well, not eventually, but it'll blow up right before the, the election and they're still going to, to use because this is how desperate they, uh, they're getting. So, uh, anyway. Alright, folks, uh, that'll do it for tonight's show. From all of us here at NGC1, uh, have a good night. God bless. God save this great nation. And, uh, stay tuned, uh, for a bonus podcast coming up, uh, either tomorrow or later in the week. Good night, God bless, and God save the Sky Nation. Thank you for watching live if you have done so, and thank you for listening to the audio podcast, uh, whenever and wherever you may be.